Listeners, you are listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about horror movies, which we will spoil. But first, we talk about some recently watched, which we try not to spoil. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are not professional critics. No, we're not. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolien. Hello. And Will. Good morning. So, guys, we're going to talk about Nightmare Alley, but first, what have you watched since we did this last? Um, not much. I finished up Silicon Valley. How did you like it? I liked it quite a lot. Failing <coughs> upward. Failing upward. I thought the last two seasons were a little weaker than uh, the previous four. Yeah. Um... But uh, enjoyable, all in all. So who ended up being your favorite character overall? I was still Ehrlich Bachman. Yeah, Team Ehrlich all the way? All the way. Uh, and then and then uh, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guilfoyle has some great lines, but he wasn't my favorite. Um, I enjoyed uh, Dinesh's... Uh, his tyrannical grab of power. Oh, that was great. And his uh, brave cowardice at the end when he admitted that he would screw all of them over. I shouldn't spoil things for people. I guess that's not much of a spoiler. No, it's not. It, it uh, tells them nothing. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like a, an ending that they had uh, logically led to. Yeah. Like they had kind of set it out well enough that you know it didn't feel like it just ended or it was a random ending out of left field right you know um so pretty enjoyable uh then i watched a horrible horrible italian movie <laughs> that's not that's not even possible how does that how does that work does not i saw a wonderful italian movie i don't know what i said there you have to cut all that out i'll bleep it um uh, Light Blast, starring <laughs> Eric Estrada, if you can say starring and Eric Estrada in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Only if you're talking about chips. <laughs> I don't even know if that qualifies. Um, yeah. He is a cop in San Francisco, and there's a mad scientist going around in a big van with a camera on the top, like a news van yeah but he has a death ray in the back and he shoots for some reason big scoreboards i don't understand hmm. what's going on there but people then melt because it's a death ray um there's some pretty good 
Um, good. Excellent. Excellent uh, uh, waxworks that they melt with a light, like the Nazis at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Somebody yes. saw that. Um, I'm guessing, I didn't, I didn't look up the date. Um, it looks 80s, so I'm guessing it's probably early to mid-90s in reality. Um, What's it called? Light Blast. Light Blast. Okay. Let's go look this up while we're talking. Something like Copal de Luce. Hmm. Um, yeah. 1985. Oh, really? Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it did look <clears throat> it looked dead on 1985. I thought it was one of those, you know, Italy was just a little bit behind because they were filming in uh, San Francisco. So I guess yeah, it makes sense. Uh, movie made no sense. Uh, pretty dull in the middle. Um, Eric Estrada is a stone cold killer. His hmm. friends and his girlfriend get blown away. He just goes on, doesn't mention it, doesn't even seem upset or faced. He's in a car. He's a cop, and there's another cop uh, driving, and the bad guy shoots, you know, leans out the window and shoots at him, and he hits the other cop, the driver, in the face like four times, and they wreck. And Eric Estrada jumps out, and his his partner then runs up in a, another or pulls up in another car and he's like wow how'd you survive that he's like oh i barely did and he hops in the car and they drive off they never mentioned the cop who got <laughs> shot and killed it just whatever uh, um so how come you watched this movie and you didn't jump on the phone and say forget nightmare alley because <laughs> it wasn't a real horror movie it was more of a light sci-fi action movie. With melty faces. Bull. With melty faces. They only did that twice. Um, they blew their stunt budget early and and late. So the middle of the movie has a really slow car chase where Eric Estrada pulls over and forces various drivers to drive him, which all of them seem fine with. <laughs> that he's pointing a gun at them and going, police, follow that car. And they're like, yeah, great. Let's go. Um, yeah, do it. Yeah. Avoid this movie at all costs. Eight stuntmen were seriously injured during oh. the filming of this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could you tell? Yeah. They were. This was truly Italian. They blow up cars with stunt people. Like the the car will hit somebody they're rolling up over the hood and the and the top, whatever that stunt's called. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it's named after somebody. Right. And it runs into these 55-gallon drums, and it promptly explodes before the stunt guy has even rolled off the car. So he's enveloped in a giant fireball. Um, yeah, you could tell there were stunts where you're like, ooh, that didn't go well. Oh, that may man. be why the... Uh, <clears throat> the middle of the movie, the, the stunts, the car chase got real slow because they killed <laughs> enough stuntmen. They were like, stunt mm, we better slow it down. Nobody else is working for us. Did the soundtrack seem to fit? Mm. This is a pointed question. No. Is it from another movie? Then? Yes. No. <laughs> At some point, the soundtrack turns into a kind of uh, 
that 80s stripper jazz, slow, kind of sexy jazz. It doesn't fit an action movie at all. Yeah, it was was composed by um, Maurizio and Guido De Angelis for the 1983 Italian film I Predatori di Alentid, or Alentide, however they want to say it. Um, So... Uh, they just, uh, you know, just squeeze it in here. See, it'll fit. Yeah, because they, you know, had to spend a lot of money paying off stuntmen's families. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have any money for a soundtrack. Hmm. So, uh, so it's a mad scientist blackmailing the city of San Francisco with his death laser. Uh-huh. Which is mounted like a Google camera. Uh, no, it, it sits in the back of the van. Oh, okay. But he has a really conspicuous video camera on the top, or a news camera. Okay. And a satellite dish, because he has to record all these things, and he's calling the police and threatening. Uh, yeah. It's 86 minutes. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, it was about 86 minutes just right. <laughs> Thought I was going to say something bad, but then I remembered it was Italian. And they are the best filmmakers. So Fight me. <laughs> yeah. um, the aspect ratio is 1.66 to 1. Isn't that approximately television? Yeah, it looked exactly like television. It looked like a TV movie. Yeah, I kind of wonder. Except a little, a little too <clears throat> violent, and I think there was... Was there swearing? I don't um, remember. I tuned out a lot of the dialogue. Well, it was on the um, quality on the IMDb page. You know the, how they have those little pop-up looking bubbles that tell you some stuff that's in the movie. Uh. Death, bare breasts, police station attack, <laughs> <laughs> police officer taken hostage, police officer shot in the arm, and eighty-six more. Blood splatter, gun kata, bloodbath, explosion, brutality. Bullet ballet, female martial artist, Mexican standoff. Oh, yeah. He goes to a morgue. I don't know what he's after. Um, <laughs> he's tracking down the, the Some, killer. Somebody can talk to. Yeah. Um, he he finds somebody's body, and they're, they're in the morgue. So he goes there. And this lady who I believe works... In the in the coroner's office, I don't know if she's a doctor. Um, she just breaks out with the martial arts on Eric Estrada, and then he kicks her ass. It does, say, and leaves. It, it, and you're of, like, who was that? <laughs> one of the bubbles says, "Hero killing woman." That's not much of a hero, is it? I don't know that he killed that one. They may be talking about another one. I have to be honest. I was falling asleep by the end of this. Yeah. Um, there's there's long stretches in the middle that got kind of dull where he was, you know, talking to his girlfriend and it was pretty much blaring at you. She's going to die. She's going to die. Um, yeah. Wow. It, I Everything you're saying, it sounds like it's the most awesome movie ever made, but I'm going to believe it's you. It's really not. It's not. I mean... That's the problem. Every once in a while, you find uh, whatever that, what was that one 
new empire or whatever that I uh, forbidden forbidden empire forbidden kingdom something lost empire lost, lost empire thank you oh yeah that you know fantastic movie all the way through through almost perfect yeah uh, but but most of them you find you know yeah. there's some good bits yes good I'm putting in quotes um you know the the mad scientist he he threatens the city by threatening a uh like a demolition derby out in the <laughs> sticks sure and you're like what and they couldn't even get like a they're at an actual uh whatever uh fairgrounds with bleachers and everything demolition derby track and they have some cars going around, but the actual wrecks are all stock footage that doesn't fit. <laughs> like that one you always see where like a nineteen, like a late nineteen thirties car goes off a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no matter what car it was, that's the one going off the cliff. Yeah, so he he rolls up and he shoots <clears throat> the scoreboard, and it's a press box. That's what they labeled it, but it's just a little plywood shack up on the top of these bleachers that you'd see like at a high school. Yeah. Um, and it blows up and there's some people who melt inside. <laughs> and then you're in for, you know, a long time of, uh, of Eric Estrada running around trying to be Clint Eastwood. Does he have a robot twin and do they fight underneath a roller coaster? No. Well, it's not a perfect movie then, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, that's it for me. Cause what else could top that? No, nothing. Nothing. Joel Hinn, what about <laughs> Let's you? Let's just call it a show. <laughs> yeah. We should just get out of here. What have you watched? Well, uh, we the... could change the, to an Italian movie every week. Yeah. Oh, a B movie though. It has to be a B movie. Okay. I don't want any, don't want I don't want anything quality. good. <laughs> I don't want any, you know, Fellini, Fellini hack. Yeah. <laughs> That snooty nonsense, you know. Film. I don't even know if I want a, a prime Argento. No, you, want, know. you want you want I want Fulci at best. You want Dario Argento's <laughs> Dracula, yeah, or whatever he's coming out with next. Uh, dark glasses, <clears throat> sure, I'll give it a shot. That's his new one, yeah, I'll watch it. So, what about you, Julian? Uh, well, I the uh comic show last weekend mm -hmm. how did it go yeah it was it was fun was it get swamp people no oh that's too bad i went to a little uh toy show because they were having comics there um and the last one of those i went to was dead this one was so jam-packed you couldn't do anything mm. we left pretty quickly yeah, I looked at maybe one table, and then that was about it. And it felt like, oh, people are finally over COVID. <laughs> so I had wondered if your show would be the same. No, it it wasn't uh, because it was this uh, is this convention center where you had to go. You had to go out of your way to go there. Yeah, and I've like been to that. There's lots of convention halls around. So like, there's this uh, Disney Ice thing going on next door, oh. uh, which was really busy. Uh, so whenever that let out, we got extra people in. But apart from that, it was, it was you know, it was steady. Steady. Well, that's good. And people were having a good time. Oh, that's good. Um, I mostly went because, like, a friend of mine was running it and he'd had a really hard time recently. So yeah, everybody who could go went. 
who knew him. Um, but um, it was uh, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Got to Excellent. hang out, go and eat, eat something with friends. Yeah. Did you pick up any books? Yeah, uh, got one. There's like a luchador comic. Oh, uh, nice. Got some prints. Yeah, there's lots of swapping going on between artists. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it was enjoyable. Excellent. Uh, I, um, I was invited to Comic Fest slash Starfest. The last one? The last one. I didn't realize it, but uh, I had to turn it down because I've oh. got, got to get this book done. Yeah, I'm going to go if I can. Last time. Yep. Boo. Maybe I'll, you know, see that really dejected... Boba Fett that I saw one time <laughs> who you could tell the poor guy inside was like why the fuck did I wear this uh-huh. it's May or late April I don't remember it was hot uh. and he he was wearing like 25 pounds of crap and a you know a milk jug on his head yeah uh, it was a good costume I'm, I shouldn't be bad mouthing <laughs> his costume but he just <clears throat> he had that Charlie Brown walked from Arrested Development. You could hear that sad music playing. I got a rock. Hanging his head. Skulking. Skulking, yeah. Just (laughs) best thing ever. But I saw one movie, uh, which is uh, this Czech movie called Marketa Lazarova. Okay. Easy for you to say. From 1967. What's it about? Well, it drops you in there. It's one of those movies that has got this world it's built and it just drops you in. It doesn't explain it. doesn't tell you who anyone is, what they're up to. Okay. You're suddenly back in this medieval, wintry landscape. Um, doesn't even give you a century. Uh, um, there, are, there are some... You figure out it's the 13th century, but... Um, There's a clever newspaper laying out yeah, somewhere. Yeah, uh, wind blows this newspaper. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like there's uh, various factions up to pillaging and raiding, and uh, there's mysticism and religion and warfare and all kinds of uh, taboo sex going on. Um, and it's filmed in a kind of art housey slash Soviet cinema kind of way and uh everything's very naturalistic and you know the, the actors they, they look like they're suffering and <laughs> they're they're really cold yeah <laughs> and all they've got is the actual furs you know um you know there's, there's actual dead animals you don't see any and then being actually killed but oh well at um, least there's that but uh yeah fantastic soundtrack um and apparently this was the uh, Czech critics voted this one of the best Czech movies ever made. And, um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it would make a, a nice bleak double bill with Andre Rublev. <laughs> Is it um, sort of episodic in the stories, or sort yeah, yeah, of, uh... it, it is. It's based on this uh, novel, but um, what what they do in the film is that they have these intertitles, and the intertitles. It seems to be telling you what's going to be coming in the next segment, but it doesn't. Re- that doesn't really happen. <laughs> I, I think I've seen this yeah, movie. There's, there's all sorts of disorienting things going on. Yeah, I believe I've seen. Was there a guy trying to fly at some point? 
no, that's Andrei Rublev. Oh, okay. Where they have a balloon. No, this guy was like, he had a, at least a movie. I've been trying to find it, and it sounds kind of like this. Um, I was under the impression it was Russian, but it's been so long, uh, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, at some point, a guy jumps out of a tower with these wings made out of wicker or something Mm -hmm. and promptly falls to his death yeah and it's very i know some mongols show up at some point sounds like a song by rainbow yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway this sounds like a good movie how was it it's fantastic i yeah all right uh but it's uh three hours well shit richie Uh, Richie blackmore's rainbow (laughs) i just want to be clear cozy powell okay yeah Yeah, well those guys Sometimes Ronnie James Dio. It's Dio on vocals, yeah. Was it, he wasn't always, though, was he? Was he throughout all of Rainbow? Better question. Why are we talking about that? <laughs> because I, I made a reference to, um, <laughs> was it Stargazer? Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, great. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, we counted heard, as two movies. We heard that song, actually, in the car. When I was driving you back after one of our recording oh, sessions. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah it, it was an interesting uh, story being told. You know, it, you know, Ronnie James Dio paints a picture with words like none other. He does. Yes. Uh, Tom Waits is a he close is a second. Poet. <laughs> uh, so that was it? Yep. All right. Uh, for me, um, I had a few. Um, uh, let's start with the Go-Go's. Uh, that was the title of a documentary I watched. This is from 2020. It's uh, an effort from, well, it's a three countries worked on this. America, Ireland, and Canada. Is it about a death ray in a van? How did you know? I'm just guessing. <laughs> uh, this is about the, uh, the all-female band, the Go-Go's. And their death ray. And their death ray. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only thing that would make this better. Um, you don't know this unless you've heard this, but they were a punk band to start with. Uh, the Go-Go's were actually like, we are a punk band. Everyone go to hell. And they toured with some hardcore acts and had to like face down skinheads in the audience. And Yeah, they, they were, didn't they all hang out at that particular house? There was this famous house where the yes. those bands hang out at that. Yes. <laughs> There were some stories about that. A lot of drug abuse, a lot of drinking. Yeah. A lot of uh, whoa, 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 whoa. hurt feelings. I know, I know. Rock and roll, drug abuse and drinking. Sometimes sex, you know. It's, Sometimes it's, 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 it's alluded to. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's 97 minutes, so you have to pick which seven you're not going to watch. The end. Uh, yeah, the credits. The first three minutes and the last four minutes that are credits. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this this was good. I recommend this for anyone who just wants to kind of watch that rise to fame story of a band that likely wouldn't have done it. But one of the producers was like, "This is great. Slow it down. You know, it, you've you've decided to make it sound more cheerful. Now slow it down a little bit, and it's going to sound good." And they're like, "Okay, heroin." So and then they were playing way too slow. <laughs> they were falling asleep while playing. <laughs> no, one of them did have a bit of a drug problem that may have, in, may have included heroin. Um, a lot of great interviews. Um, 
a lot of behind the scenes stuff. It's, it's, it's a good watch. Um, so I also, believe it or not, watched a JFK documentary. (laughs) I thought I saw it. I was like, no, I think I don't tell me there was sex, drugs and drinking involved with JFK. They, (laughs) they didn't talk about it as much as you'd think. There was this whole messy shooting thing that they were trying to cover. Oh, okay. Um, this is an Australian it's the detective. other topic, murder. <laughs> yeah, you got to have the murder. Sex, drugs, murder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting drinking as a subheading under yeah. drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite so. Alcohol is a drug, people. Uh, this, uh, this is about an Australian detective, uh, Colin McLaren, who investigates the JFK assassination using ballistics and... Um, he Using also, wild conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> there may or may not be some wild conjecture in the movie. I was not expecting this to go where it went. Bigfoot? Uh, Bigfoot. Did it tie into Bigfoot? <laughs> How did you Bigfoot the killer? <laughs> Bigfoot took the final shot. From the hairy knoll. <laughs> yes. He blended right in. That's why no one saw him and he was 15 feet tall. Yeah. It's right. just that blurry footage of this seven foot tall hairy guy with a rifle. Yeah. It's easy to hide a rifle. You just put it behind your leg if you're that big. Um, I don't really want to spoil this. Like, uh, for anyone who's... Oh, in- sorry. Already, you can edit out the Bigfoot. Yeah, the Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, well, there's another part. Um, but there's a guy who uh, who did a bunch of ballistics investigation back in the, I want to say, late 60s, uh, Howard Donahue. And his second shooter wasn't who you'd expect. <laughs> it wasn't. The Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> I'm just going to say. Was tw- it Dillinger? <laughs> Dillinger. And the rifle was made of soap. Yeah. Because he had faked his death. Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, Forrest Ooh, Gump. That's the only thing that can make it better. It is two hours long, though, Will, so you're not going to want to watch uh, the last half hour where you find out everything. I'll just cut out the first half hour because I know all that stuff. Yeah, it's just all the groundwork. Um, it's a 2013 documentary. I recommend it. If you're interested in the subject and you want to hear yet one more theory, <laughs> uh, one I had not heard, and I'll share with you guys off mic if you want to hear it. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, though. And then... For some reason, I watched Bit, a 2019 vampire film uh, written and directed by Brad Michael Elmore. And uh, it's about a young woman who gets turned into a vampire uh, while she's trying to move to L.A., I guess. She's spending... uh, Moving's already hard enough. I know, you don't need... Find boxes. Yeah. You know, friends that'll help you move for pizza and beer. A guy with and a And then you got vampirism on top yeah. of it. Well, uh, this this one is um, not great, but it is exactly 90 minutes long. So, so it's perfect. Yeah. Well, it's funny how that works. The, the music is by Wolfmen of Mars. So if nothing else, someone came up with a great band name. Yeah, it's not a bad band name. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm not a fan of this one, but... I was relatively entertained throughout, so whatever. Um, can I present a new Bigfoot theory I, I, would I came up with? I would love to hear it. A while ago, and I forgot to mention, <clears throat> I think Bigfoot might be a ghost. Of a caveman. Yes, or an author of 
Pistling Gigantus. Gigantopithecus. Yes, Gigantopithecus. Yeah. All good old gianty. Jaunty. Yes. Johnny. Um yeah, I think he's a ghost. I think that's totally possible. The the way that Bigfoot We have just... to test it. We have to get some stairs he can go down cuz once he goes downstairs, ghosts can't go back up. So that right. would prove it. Really? Yeah, I made that up on the fly. Well, oh, I did. Okay. It sounds perfectly reasonable, right? When yeah. it comes to ghosts, yeah. they're attracted to gold and they can't go upstairs. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like cows can't go downstairs mm-hmm. and are attracted to platinum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It sounds good. Solid. When it comes to the, you know, nonsensical, you can make up your own nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Why not, you know? Throw in your own creativity. So I came up with, you know, ghosts are attracted to turrets. Yeah. They can't go downstairs, or they can't go upstairs. They can mm-hmm. only go down, and they're attracted to gold. So you put a gold coin in the basement. Your problem's over with. Yeah. So Just don't go in the basement. <clears throat> so is this a preview of season one of your new podcast? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it's called, but... Ghost yeah. Logic with Will Barnes. Ghost Logic. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so we're going to be covering Nightmare Alley, the 2021 film. Uh, Fuck. We, 2021. You pick- I watched the 1947 version. Oh, man. No, I watched both of them. Yeah, I, I watched 1947 about, I don't know, five or six months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's relatively fresh. Um, you picked this one, Will. What did you think when you, uh, what did you think when you first heard they were going to make this? Um, I was intrigued. Um, I've not been happy with Del Toro's films the last two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was cautious. Uh, the two and a half hour runtime, of course, gave me pause. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was kind of eager to see it because the trailers looked good. Right. Um, fairly good cast. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still give Del Toro a shot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be disappointed by, you know, Del Toro's films. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's usually got interesting bits or it looks good, at least. Uh, he tends to be a little weak on story, I find. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so I picked it. So the, the original 1947 was, uh, one of your all time favorites as far as film noir, or was it just a favorite? It's just a favorite. Um, one of my top ones. Is it? It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's up there, but I don't know that I could name, uh, name it as the all time favorite. Right. Uh, it's probably in the top 10 though. Good. Um, it's a fantastic dark little movie that's kind of brutal. Yeah. It has no good people in it. (laughs) And even the happy ending at the end is miserable Mm -hmm. if you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's giving the studio that kind of out that they so often forced noirs to do. Um, 
and but no, it's yeah, you know where it's going to go. Yeah, it's it's the same cycle that you just watched. You're like, oh, it's it's never going to end. It's fantastic because <laughs> it's a good noir. Nobody gets what they want. Right. Everybody gets what they deserve. Yeah, and all all people in it are reprehensible characters. Usually, yeah. Yeah, was even if there's a good person, it's usually they've decided to to stray from that path because they've seen, you know, corrupt people getting away with it. But yeah, they're at least um going to have their moments where they don't go along with the plan, whatever the plan is. Yeah, something's got yeah. Yeah. So good good characters in this movie are there any at all? I mean, is, is Molly? Molly Molly's good. I, that that was going to be the one I could think of. That's it. Yeah. So everyone else is pretty much terrible. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know how bad Pete is. Hmm. He's just an alcoholic, but he doesn't sound like he's. He's uh, not doing anyone any harm, really. He, yeah, he. he <clears throat> seems to you know uh i mean he even mentions in the in the new version about shut eye and you know falling into the trap of believing your own lies and not giving people false hope blah 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 his main problem is he's an alcoholic because i'm not really sure why in this movie uh kind of because he's Telling lies. I don't really know why he becomes a drunk, um, but it's not important. Um, anyway, is Madame Zena a bad person? No, I don't think she's. I a mean, bad she's flawed, obviously. She but cheats on Pete. She well, cheats true. on Pete. Yeah. yeah, she is married to Pete, and she cheats with what's his face, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> what is his name? Uh, Stanton. Stanton. Stan- Stan- Carlisle. Yeah. Yeah, so the great Stanton. Yeah, she does this within three minutes of us meeting her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that would qualify her as a bad person. Um, were you kind of uh, in disbelief that Carnies would share any of their secrets with somebody this new? Uh, no, because that didn't really matter. That clue. Um. Uh, I felt that it was a sort of unnecessary um, introduction to Stanton uh, because the the original, they just throw you into it. It's like at the carnival, um, you, you already know he's the barker for the mentalist or the, you know, fortune teller lady. They kind of show you how the trick works. He's already involved in the in the carnival. It goes from there. I felt that this main problem with this movie was it was too slow. It took the time to explain why Stan was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. When it wasn't needed because... Everything Stan does in the movie is bad. Yeah, I guess. He's not a good person. And he's never, the movie should not pretend that he's a good person, at least the original ones. You pretty much 
right off the bat, you're like, mm, yeah, this guy's not. He, he looks like a thug. He talks like a creep. Um, you know, he's involved in this sketchy operation. It's a carnival. It's, you know, carny people, kings among men. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to, to have to, you know, belabor the point that Stan didn't get along with his dad and his dad was a drunk. Uh, I mean, that comes up in the therapy sessions, too. So why do we need to see it when we're told about it told about it later yeah in the plot so i think it introduces the idea of him burying his subconscious and he literally does does it in the first scene he's he's burying something terrible and then he tries to hide it with fire and fire is a recurring motif as well yeah del toro is very fond of visual motifs is he is he a fan of wyeth because that sure looked like the wyeth painting Mm. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I forget yeah. the name of it, but the, the with the woman in the foreground. Yes, that was absolutely framed just like that. Um, it's just an Andrew Wyeth painting where the house is on fire. <laughs> right, they do that in uh, was it Days of Heaven's Gate? Was it the yeah, movie? I think so. Yeah, they do that shot in there as well. Do they? Yeah, like the isolated house and the yeah. horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty hard to miss once you're kind of once that's been sort of seared into your um, mind's eye it's like anytime you see that YF painting yeah portrayed at all um so when 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 we meet Stan in the 1947 original we don't get all that all that background Mm-mm. all that uh He's a he's a murderer because uh, his white trash dad yelled at him. No, I mean, yeah, you see, you see him just wandering along, and he's just wearing his t-shirt, and, he, and he's he's watching uh, Madame Zena do her spiel. And... Yeah, first he's watching the geek. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't show the geek. They show the the uh, the the advert, the, the mm-hmm. painting for the geek, which is reproduced really well in the yeah the new one. As this well. one looked fantastic. Oh, the yeah. new one looks really good. Um. Yeah, and he makes the line, they're like, how could somebody fall so low that they would right. do that? You know? But that's the whole thing. The the, the stories is like, uh, that's the question that gets asked at the start. And you know that that's going to happen to him. And then you watch it happen. And like, this is how it happens. <laughs> yes. You wanted to know? You are. Yeah. You, you and out. so I found that, I found that, that was a lot more effective than having to spend time with the current geek um in the new, in the remake mm-hmm. um the geek they show him um in his pit you know blah 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 and then he gets out and they run around the carnival trying to find him and he attacks Stan and then Stan fights back blah blah uh, uh, you know where it's going. Um, I felt like it was just... It, uh, I just prefer the efficiency of the original storytelling. Yeah, I did feel like the new one was very beautiful looking. It looks amazing. It, yeah, it, it's kind of like when you first saw, what was it, 2005 King Kong? 
Uh-huh. Yeah, the Peter Jackson King Kong. Yes, I felt a lot like that. I yeah. felt like this was this was uh, Del Toro's remaking his favorite film. Yeah, like no detail was missed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but there was a little detail that bothered me at the beginning. Everybody talks to Stan and makes it sound as though he's young. They call him a young pup. Yeah. They call him a young man or something. He's in his 40s. He's in his 40s. He's clearly in his 40s, which made no sense to me. At at best, you could you could cast him as somebody in his late 30s. Although I suppose you could say, oh, they were arguing not in his youth, but... His newness in the carnival business. His inexperience. I suppose that. Okay. But it, it came across as like they were talking to him like he was, you know, 24 yeah. and not 44. Right. Uh, Just like Steve McQueen in The Blob. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he's 30 and he hangs out with teenagers. Yeah. He saved the day. <laughs> we'll forgive a little bit. He was bad at math. They held him back a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jolien, so you've you've been a fan of the original for years and years, mm-hmm. and uh, you're quite familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel like this one, as far as something paying homage to the original? I think he he read the novel before he saw the film. Oh, really? Yeah. That would make sense. So the 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 new one builds in a lot of the the author's life. Oh, okay. He, he really paralleled Stanton. He, in his own admission, he's, he's said he was Stanton. Oh, okay. Came to a bad end as well. Interesting. Wow. Did you know that? No. Yeah, William, I forget his name, but he, um, yeah, he, he wrote... Gresham. Uh, Kiss Before Dying or something? He, he'd had some success and... He sold Nightmare Alley really fast, like Tyrone Power bought it up really fast. Yeah. Because he wanted to do a film where he, he was not the dashing swashbuckler anymore. Yeah. He, he was in The Mark of Zorro, a classic, great film. Uh, so he bought this up really fast. And so, um, but then William Gresham uh, blew the money. Uh, you know, he uh, alcoholism sunk his second marriage. Uh Wrote some non-fiction books, including one about Charles Atlas, I think. Um, wow. But he, he got married for a third time, and that seemed to be chugging along. And then um, he got cancer of the tongue and uh, killed himself in 1962. Wow. Yeah, and uh, what I read about that was he died from an overdose of sleeping pills. And it was at the um, the Dixie Hotel in... Uh, Manhattan, where he had uh, frequented while writing Nightmare Alley. Mm. So it was like he wrote a lot of the book and conceived of it there. And that's where he ended. So business cards were found in his pocket reading, no address, no phone, no business, no money, retired. (laughs) So that's kind of interesting. But like uh, what you're saying about the the storytelling, uh, again, it's like Del Toro telling things in terms... Using motifs and um, symbolism and so on. Well, like the original, they just go, you know, snap along the, the plot. It's like he, he immediately gets the book of the uh, mm-hmm. how they do the tricks and everything. 
um but uh, and the new one it, it has the it wants to sh set up all these visual motifs that are going to run through the whole movie so like you get all these mirrors you get these uh, um, eyes mm -hmm. um, you know it's, it's all about him seeing and like so when when uh, he doesn't speak until he meets the geek that was important yeah and uh, so that he has him have him run through the fun house and of course the fun house is built around the seven sins mm -hmm. and uh, it's full of eyes and mirrors he goes. He literally goes through a circle, and then there's this wall of eyes. It looks like something out of Blind Beast. Yeah. And uh, there's this like big eye wall in the wall, and then and then he comes across the geek, and and the the geek is saying, uh, "This isn't really me." Mm -hmm. And and it, he's it's a mirror of what he's going to be, and uh, and then that's when he gets his first line. Um, yeah. So it, it's always like setting up, telling the story in these kind of uh, symbols. Um, rather than just uh, you know, snapping along 40s style. Yeah. All right, you saps. I want to say, <laughs> though, this is the, uh, a review of the original film uh, from Time Magazine, James Agee, uh, November 24, 1947. He, uh, he puts it in here. I'm just going to read it. Nightmare Alley would be unbearably brutal for general audiences if it was played at all. Uh, played for all the humor, cynicism, and malign social observation that are implicit in it. It would be unbearably mawkish if it was played too solemnly. Uh, scripter James Firthman and director Edmund Golding have steered a middle course now and then, crudely, but on the whole with tax, skill, and power. They have seldom forgotten the original novel they were adapting is essentially intelligent trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have n never forgotten that on the screen pretty exciting things can be made of trash mm. uh, from top to bottom the cast playing is good uh, blah 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 I think he was James Agee was a champion of Val Luton wasn't he, he was one of I the, believe so yeah, yeah. Uh, I just really like the the adapting essentially intelligent trash. Yes. And I think, I think sadly I might like trash. <laughs> There's a lot of good trash. Let's be clear. You know, like what half the movies that, um, that really get you going are just a little crazy or a little trashy. You know, it's, this high art stuff is not always the best stuff. So I, I yeah, I don't know. Um, I like this film quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Neither of these films were successful at the box office. No, it's a good legacy. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, I wonder why. Uh, is, do you think this is still uh, after effects of COVID on theater? goers well they didn't they didn't have it uh pay-per-view did they or whatever you call it rental um, rental streaming whatever whatever the term is i i want to say yes they did like hmm. right off the bat but i'm not sure don't quote me on that because currently it's on hbo isn't it it's mm -hmm. on hbo and it came out pretty quickly yeah um yeah i don't know 
Yeah, it's really... People would st- rather go see Spider-Man, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's like everyone wants to see them Marvels. I, I do. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to see Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I don't personally like the Spider-Man that they've they've had. Uh, but, you know, they're fine. So let's see. They spent nearly $40 million making this and... Uh, I'm sorry, nearly $60 million making it and have only made... On the box office, anyway, about forty million. So, whether it actually lost money or not, it's hard to say. I don't see any intel on the original from nineteen forty-seven. It um, was a flop. Yeah. Okay. So that was most of the reviews uh, <clears throat> above that Time Magazine one were pretty harsh. Interesting. Um, they felt it was way too bleak. There was a scene. And, and I don't want to forget because I just mentioned Tyrone Power a moment ago. Um, there was a scene where the it, I could swear it was when um, Bradley Cooper's character is talking to Willem Dafoe's character. Uh, Clem. Clem, yeah. When Stan is talking to Clem. Uh, there's something in the background. I think it's in that scene. And it looked like Tyrone Power on some ad or some... Oh, there's so much packed into this. Yeah, yeah there was, yeah, it was uh, a lot of... In the final scene, uh, where, he, where he, he he completes the circle, uh, and he, he goes into the uh, the, the new boss's uh, caravan, uh-huh. there's a poster of, for Our Wilderness, the Eugene O'Neill play. Okay. And Our Wilderness is uh, based on a quote from Omar Khayyam, uh, but the the uh, about something about uh, uh, a wilderness if uh, paradise is enough or something like that. But I, I can't remember the quote. But anyway, the play is about this this young guy who's got uh, he's got everything because he's like uh, he's out in the country. You know, it's a simple life, but he's got happiness. But he it's not enough for him. Yeah, which is the theme of this movie yeah he has everything you know there's about halfway through he's got he's got everything but he wants more and and that's Uh what destroys him so yeah it's just packed with stuff like the cyclops it keeps going back to the cyclops Mm -hmm. and then he wears this blindfold when he's doing his act and it's a single eye yeah so the cyclops is uh uh in in symbolism it's um the cyclops is uh uh, born of earth and sky it's like uh, Gaia and uh, Uwaros what's the Greek sky god but anyway can't think of it um, and then the sky god forces the misshapen children back into the womb of the earth hmm. and then um, in, in the movie the cyclops kid has killed its mother mm-hmm. in, in the act of birth and yeah um, but it, it's also um, uh, the Cyclops uh, has the body of Earth, but it's got the third eye. It's got the uh, a God's eye, right? So and and Stan sees himself <clears throat> as above normal people, but he is he is part of the mundane world. Yes, uh, and that and that destroys him as well. And that, so the Cyclops has this. Uh, it, it sees itself as a god, but it's not. Um, you know, and it, it sees in in a other dimensions but it misses out on what the mundane world is like yeah and, and that you know it, it, that's how polyphemus ends up being 
killed. You know, he's he's not stupid, but he's he just misses the the obvious, the the normal people. And then they poke his eye. Yeah, Um, which can't be good for you if you only got one. So, um, let's see. Runtime on uh, the original is 111 minutes. So. In 1947, that was a little bit longer. A lot of movies were 70, 80 minutes. So, yeah. so this story takes a little while to tell. I think it's kind of uh, fair to say that... I think um, you had to be just over 60 minutes or so <clears throat> to be... A feature. A feature. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen some short ones. Yeah. They're like, you know, an hour and, you know, five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. A lot of our universal horror movies were 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right around 70. So Del Toro did a cut, which is over three hours long. Damn. I don't know if I need that. Mm. <laughs> How did you feel about the pacing, Julian? I, um, I, I liked yeah, I, I, I liked this, this world. I, I, I wasn't bored. I'll, I'll uh, say that. Yeah. That was the thing about it is like, you know, I'm watching the thing thinking, okay, well, I know how long this movie is, but I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to watch it. If it feels like I can't keep my eyes open or something, I'll just pause it and. Like the last ten minutes is credits. Yeah, that's true. And then like the first half, you're in this carny, and then it switches, and it's a really different look. Mm-hmm. Of the city, the, the whole the palette changes. Oh, that was great. Textures change. Yeah, it was so Art Deco. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it was unbelievably Art Deco in some of those rooms. Oh, yeah. My God, that office. Yeah, that office was stunning. Yeah, that was such a period of time where, like, why did that have to end? <laughs> they could have just kept going with it for a while. Art Nouveau and Art Deco and... Uh, World War II happened. Ah, uh, stupid World War II. And then, you know, we got, I don't know, modernism after that? I guess we did. That's true. Yeah, that did, did kind of usher that in. Like, everybody was optimistic for a future. yeah. And that's why they tried to make cars look like rocket ships. But, you know, (laughs) sort of (laughs) everything got real uh, locked down in World War Two. So extravagance like Art Deco had to go to the wayside and to mass produce housing. Yeah, everything had to be kind of, you know, boxy and. Yeah, that's true. Efficient. Yeah, that's why that um, that that Chevy truck that we sold uh, had that extravagant you know front grill on it that was just so much chrome because all the chrome and all the different metals had to go to the war effort and as soon as the war was over they're like we're chroming this thing out like crazy mm-hmm. that's the first thing they did they were dipping everything in chrome <laughs> so yeah I, I could see that but uh what what was the machine age specifically was that that would be the machine age would be Deco. like world war ii it would be after Art Deco. Would it? Uh-huh. Because whenever I see something like, like a radio or a lamp that says Machine Age, I look at it and I think, well, it's pretty much Deco. It's just past Deco. Okay. Before modernism, if you want to get real specific. Post-Deco, pre-modern. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Post-Deco, pre-modern. Constructivist. Yes. Constructivist. So that machine little, Age. It's about 13 to 17 months. Some, you know, some mm. disagree. Yeah, but that'd be like Metropolis. It would be like that. Yeah, uh, you know, people and machinery blended in. Yeah, to each other. That would make sense. Yeah, I've never bothered to really delve into it because I know what what parts of modernism I like. Yeah, 
And uh, it's like, oh man, I don't have the money for Deco. It's too old, and you know, the collectors are God. If pay only, too much. if only you'd paid attention in the eighties. Or... Oh man, you could you could hit up all the antique stores and all the thrift stores and get all the things. Just like if you were around in the sixties and you really loved Victorian furniture, but you could have just cleaned up. Oh, for sure. Because nobody wanted that anymore. That yeah. was grandma's crap. We oh, don't yeah. want that. We want, you know, neon colors and kidney bean shaped tables. Right. <laughs> Who's going to want that crap from the 80s? All that's weird, heavy wood and bad particle board. Who's going to Well, want? a lot of that hasn't <clears throat> survived. Yeah. But. Um, a lot. Where did we go wrong with this? Why are we talking about interior design and industrial design? <laughs> because they did it so well in this movie. Yeah. Okay. okay true. So let's circle back around to uh, it. The, true. Yeah. All the all the fixtures and everything are, are you know accurate to the period. They look, oh yeah. They looked this like movie yeah. looked fantastic. I think that that is the saving grace that this movie looks fantastic. Although I might personally think. They could speed it up a little. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I was never bored, and I loved looking at it, and I loved looking for things in the background. Oh yeah, that were like, oh, what's this little, you know? It could be a lamp or a pen holder. Or, or, the people you know. were dressed as characters from Freaks at the end. No, he goes down the uh, the uh, midway. Uh-huh. And there's like those characters around the human cannibal thing and they're dressed up just like Oh, I the, missed it. Some of the uh, characters out of freaks. Oh man. So you spotted more Easter eggs than we did. Oh wait, I have to watch go back the carnival and watch scene it. from Strangers of a Train and then watch this movie. Okay. That recreates some of that Carney. Oh, okay. I like that. I I am I'm a fan of Easter eggs over fan service. Certainly. Yeah, because like when it's real obvious hit you over the head with it, it's not so fun. Like, you know, you don't need to name characters certain things that are going to you, you know, wink wink, nod nod, you know. Uh it's it, it's better when it's just like, hey, if you spot the costuming, which I didn't, Will didn't, you know, one yeah. one of the three of us did. Of course, I haven't seen Freaks in forever, so. Yeah, it's been so long. Um, I remember staying up till two in the morning to watch Freaks for the first time. Oh, really? Because you couldn't get it anywhere. And they advertised it, you know, and it was like 2 a.m. Oh, my God. So there were like two other movies before it. Uh Uh-huh. Can I make it? Yeah, I I I remember staying up really late for it. Oh, it was fantastic. It was like, oh, I finally got to see that movie. (laughs) And it was pretty much what I... Shocking as hell. That I, you know... It lived up to its reputation, I will say. Yeah, Todd Browning directed that, and a lot of people will say much better than Dracula. Or much much more interesting, anyway. I think it's much better than Dracula. Um, Dracula's good. The Unholy Three. Yeah. That one's good. That's good, good. excellent, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, Freaks is better, because, yeah, it is shocking, and it's a little bit like this movie. Somebody ends up as a geek or a right, yeah, amusement attraction. Yeah, you don't want to spoil something from the '30s, but you know, let's just say it. <laughs> I uh, I want to say uh, 
probably in real carnivals, the geek was just a regular dude. Yeah. Who's willing to bite the head off a chicken for money? A lot of sleight of hand. Yeah, because I don't rem- I don't know how many people they really, you know, imprisoned to be the geek. I don't think that was a very common thing. My my dad saw a carnival when he was younger. Um, he he told me this when I was a kid that he saw a, a, a geek at a carnival. He was probably I don't know. 10 or 12 years old and him and his friends went to a carnival and there was a geek eating cigarette butts and biting the heads off of chickens. And Did he bite the head off chicken? Well, he said that it, it appeared. It looked like it. Appeared to happen. Okay. But, uh, you know, whether it, it was somebody. Total sleight of hand, yeah. It could be sleight of hand or it could be just someone yanking the head off of a chicken and then they cook it for dinner later. You know, because you're taking the head off of the thing either way. True. So if he's, you know, if the geek is because uh, I don't know this this to me is gorier than anything in any movie is people people who actually would would uh, manually just remove the head off a chicken without using something sharp oh yeah just it's, wrench the head off yeah that to me is just awful but uh, it's quick I guess and chicken's delicious <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it died for a good cause yeah you know I'll honor that chicken. Dinner for the circus folk. You know, thank you, chicken. But you are delicious. <laughs> so, so a modern day geek would be someone just sitting there with a bucket of nuggets. Yeah. Ooh, no, eating the paste that they make nuggets out of, uh, right out of a bucket. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, no, that's beyond horror. So, what a cast in this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's almost like reading the cast is just like uh, in other movies reading who, you know, tried out for the movie. But this is like everyone who's in it. Yeah, you'd expect them all to be on a plane that's headed for disaster. Right. (laughs) Totally. This is like a disaster movie cast. Airport 78 or whatever. (laughs) Carnival 79. (laughs) Right. It's an earthquake at the carnival, and we're trapped in the tunnel of love. Oh, yeah. you, with Shelley you, Winters. You come out with all these. <laughs> Why are you not writing movies? <laughs> I can give you my final draft program. All right, <laughs> get going. It's got Shelley Winters in it, <laughs> or whoever you know is the new Shelley Winters. Right. Yeah. Who is? Yeah. The... This cast was fantastic. Um. Yeah, we had. Uh, uh, obviously Bradley Cooper, the youngster there, um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, he's, he's a promising kid. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's got a lot of spunk, that kid. Um, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen. And, uh, it was a delight to see her. I love oh, seeing yeah. Mary Steenburgen. I didn't Steen... know she was in this. No, I was, was really surprised. It was a cool surprise. Yeah. I'm always happy to see her. Yeah. Um, I thought Molly was perhaps the sort of weakest of the of the group. Um, not bad in any way, but um, she seemed a little a little blander than than uh, the Molly from the from the original is uh, a little livelier. Do you think I it found would... this one a little too? Understated, understated, maybe a little repressed for somebody who would be 
a carnival worker who did a show like that. With electricity, yeah. Yeah, it seemed like it was a kind of, you know, I mean, Stan really bumps it up. But I could have seen Molly be the spider girl. Because it's a a Mm -hmm. more kind of laid back, uh, you're putting more of a mask on. Yeah. Literally, kind of, you're putting that costume on that's the webs. I have seen that at a carnival. I did see the Spider Girl. Oh, that's great. Uh, I saw a bunch of pickled punks Mm -hmm. at a sideshow. There was no geek. There was a bearded lady. There was a fat person, which was, you know, novel at the time. (laughs) Yeah, Dana Gould has made that joke several times. It's just a... (laughs) The line at Starbucks. Yeah. What used to be the midway yeah. at the carnival. But that's another thing I was going to say. The, um, in mythology, Cyclops are known for being uh, engineers making stuff. Like they make Zeus's thunderbolts. Oh, like that. that's so, right. Yeah. So in the movie, he fixes a truck and, and he fixes makes... up the electric. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. This is interesting. Um, Rooney Mara, when you look at her, her credits, you know, um, she's played Mary Magdalene. She's played the girl with the dragon tattoo. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is somebody who has been in something as low as the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, her first... This movie, when they were making it, they had to take six months off because of COVID. Yeah. And during that time, she had a baby. Oh, man. Really? Yeah, I noticed in the credits there was a whole grouping of COVID you know, like set scrubbers and mm. COVID watchers. And Isn't I it wondered crazy? how much, you know, it derailed. Well, apparently production. he filmed the um, second half first. So they knew where it was going. So then they could like look at it and then the first half. That that makes sense. Set it all up. You know, like a mystery novel, right? The ending first. Mm-hmm. Work backwards from there. <laughs> Six months previous. Or just, you know, steal bits from other movies. <laughs> <laughs> Carnival earthquake movie. Yes. Now, um, the uh, the sort of uh, culmination of, of, all, of all of the ambitions that, um, that Stanton has and, and uh, that he's uh, dragged his partner into... Um, is they're going to fleece this old rich guy for a bunch of money. And with the help of his psychiatrist, like I, I missed how he was connected to her. Like they met at the show. Yes. Did she say, dude, you need therapy? No, he goes to her because he, why does he go to her? I'm trying to remember like, Oh, she gave him his card. Yeah. Cause he, he starts, uh, uh, conning the judge and she knows the judge she's at the show and uh, he he asks the judge for his information and, and she pulls out her business card and gives it to him you know flipped over so he the judge can write his number on the back and then that's enough for Stan to to go look her up and then when he looks her up he 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 just knows because they're kindred spirits that she's she's no good too, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and the, then they hatch the plan. He sees the recordings, and, and he hatches the plan. Yeah, he thinks he's playing her. Oh, and he totally thinks he's <laughs> playing her. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that uh, that hubris is his downfall, really. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this one, um, I, I really... It, it, if you're a decent person at all, it makes you squirm to kind of watch what he's doing. And knowing that he's not really putting one over on her and that he had better watch his step with the old rich guy. Yeah, you you don't cross swords with a woman named Lilith. Right. (laughs) Or a man with the last name Grendel. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, so what it comes down to is he's got to do one last big trick to kind of keep him on the hook or, or finish the job, whatever the case so he has uh, he has his partner dress up in the ghostly garb and put the blood on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it seems like a foolproof plan. It seems solid. At you the know, time. yeah, right. It seems so easy. Like, of course, it's going to go well. We'll pull this off. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah, everyone. Uh, I was kind of surprised at the severe beating as the death. I, I didn't remember that from the original. No. Yeah. It's, it's accidental in the original. Yeah. Film. Like, like they kind of swap it like uh, in the original film, he deliberately swaps the alcohol. But in this one, he like, it's kind of accidental. He but fumbles you know, it's it. Probably unconsciously. He actually did it. Yeah. Right. And then, and then he accidentally kills the rich guy. But in this one, it's swapped around. So he, uh, he accidentally kills Pete. And then he purposely deliberately smashes up the rich guy. Yeah. In that trademark del Toro. Let's have something really gory in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he, <laughs> he smashed his nose all the way in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty gory. Yeah. I, w- I was not expecting that. When they showed well, it. Well, I was, but because <laughs> it's Del Toro and he yeah, always yeah. throws something in that's, you know, real gory. Yeah. He he loves the gore. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't just like run over the bodyguard. You had to like Yeah. Do it twice. <laughs> right. It's like back- I was I thought for sure Molly was gonna get shot. That would be a change or something mm. uh by that security guard at the end. Yes. But thankfully no, she gets out yeah, relatively all, all, all women do pretty well yeah so um so he gets uh he ends up on the run he gets away well he goes back to lilith first and and realizes she cheats him and then she shoots him in the ear yeah um so now he's permanently disfigured yeah um yeah a bunch of ones She's already got him drinking again. Oh yeah, that was that was great too. Do you think he never drank, or do you think he knew that? Well, he always makes a big deal out of never drinking. He made a big deal out of it, so I imagine at some point he did drink, and he gave it up. He has that self righteousness of a newly, you know, recovered alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. What was the? Uh... What was the thing that uh, my ex used to say? There's nothing worse than a uh, new Christian or an ex-smoker. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's true. 
<laughs> so it's kind of right in that same category. Yeah, it's, you know. Um, so, yeah, he, he now ends up in the carnival again. Mm-hmm. And learns how somebody becomes a geek because he was born for it. Well, he was straight up told. Clem told him. Uh-huh. Like, you know, and he, he, he hears the, he hears the pitch almost verbatim from the new guy. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. He was a geek all along. So although he got away, he didn't get away with it. He, he sort of yeah, punished that, himself. That's where he belongs. He realizes that's who he is. Yeah. Well, so be it. Unlike um, the original geek who was not that. Where he yeah. kept saying, this isn't who I am. Yeah. Right. Denial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might have just been a war vet that was down on his luck. But, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got suckered into it with the morphine in the booze. Sure. Well. Puppy. Any other outstanding parts of this that you that you all wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, the whole thing's pretty outstanding, but it's yeah, it's fantastic. I I'm glad Del Toro's kind of back after a this, couple that I I personally didn't care for the sexy dancing creature from the Black Lagoon movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we discussed the problems with that one. Yeah, and I felt that this movie corrected those issues um i did think it was a little silly for clem to say something along the lines of that chap who looks like chaplin invaded poland yeah like hitler wasn't known like he was a you know total dark horse who came out of left field and snatched up poland i mean that would have put them at what 38 when that movie in the movie then I think that was no, when he invaded 40, Poland. 41. Oh, well, th- later th- in the... 38. Invades, yeah, 39. 39 invades Poland. Yeah. yeah, he invades Poland. Um, it was just the delivery of the line was supposed to be cutesy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, yeah, everybody knew who Hitler was. They didn't... Weren't, weren't you know... At that late stage, nobody was under any impression that, you know... It wasn't a shock, is what right, I'm saying. Right. It wasn't a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So and was, then later when they do the whole war thing, I thought was handled a little better because it was, you know, sort of matter of fact. And, you know, she mentions it. He looks at the paper. They move on. There's a soldier later that enters some room. You know, they, they put enough in the background. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple in the bathroom. Yeah. I just felt that one line was a little too cheeky. Yeah, and I, I took that as the character being cheeky. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could see that. Yeah, that that fits his character. Yeah, he was fantastic in this. Willem oh, yeah. Dafoe is great. Yeah, he he usually uh, lands all of his lines nicely. You know. Yeah. His mannerisms and everything are just spot on for this kind of character. Um. Yeah. Anything else, Julian? Before we give our recommends. Nope. Well, do you recommend it? Yeah, highly. Um, I don't love it, but uh, I think it's my favorite Del Toro. Yeah, it's a it's a very good Del Toro. Will only if Light Blast isn't on. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you have the opportunity to watch watch Light Blast. Yeah. And yeah. Nightmare Alley. 
yeah. but only one, pick Light Blast. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would say like if you if you could have uh, Eric Estrada play Stanton, and uh, maybe this would be the perfect movie. And it came in at ninety minutes. Yeah, and it had lasers. And it had lasers. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Instead, I think so instead of Electra, maybe she could be uh, Laserina or somebody. Laserina. Yeah. And they have to <laughs> use the laser to get out of the tunnel of love after the earthquake. Yes. With our all-star cast. Yes, I like it. Um, so recommend then, huh? Highly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I would agree. This I kind of put this uh, on par, like I said earlier, with the King Kong remake, where I'm cool being in this world and just wandering around in it, even though you kind of want to say, well, there. I, I wouldn't call it a pacing issue, but it's chosen its pace, and that pace is a little slow. That's fine. It knows what it's doing, this movie. Yeah, Del Toro knows what I w- he's doing is a better way to say it. I personally, though, would love to see someone edit it as closely to the original mm-hmm. oh, as yeah. they could. That'd be interesting. Um, I would love, and I had the same thought about King Kong yeah. uh, 2005. Yeah. Is cut it down as closely as you can to the original just to see what it would be like. What what does that movie feel like? Do you feel like you missed anything you at know, the end of it? Because rewatching King Kong... It felt like a slog. Oh, the the remake? Yeah, the remake. Yeah. Um, that Dinosaur Island bit, I just cannot stand. <laughs> I I found it really exciting the first time, mm-hmm. but it is so over the top and silly and just, I don't know, it takes me out of the movie. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, the the part where the T Rex is bound up in the vines and swinging to and fro, snapping, it's a little silly. Yeah, that one. Yeah, but I mean, I that doesn't bother me quite as much as just the all of them are running, and there's giant dinosaurs running around them, and nobody's getting stepped on. Yeah, or eaten. And it's felt very cartoony. Yeah, that makes sense. In a movie with a giant ape, I'm saying that bit was a little over <laughs> yeah, the top. Uh, you will I su- could accept the giant ape. <laughs> you, you can suspend your disbelief there. Only so far. Right. Space wizards. Space wizards. <laughs> you were okay with the space wizards, but the beeping robot <laughs> that was, was a bridge too far. <laughs> That's right. It was uh, a bridge over the river quad. See, I was thinking Alec Guinness when you said that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You just can't without. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's three recommends uh, with with varying, uh, you know, footnotes. And uh, next time we're, what are we doing next time? Rosemary's Baby? Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, my pick. Cool. Uh-huh. Well, listeners, come back in a week for Rosemary's Baby. And, uh, and his non-problematic director. <laughs> sure. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, but other than that... Um, Let's call it a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay out of the carnival.